What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Tyloo's Soccer Cast, the podcast where we talk all things soccer. Now, today I'm going to try something new. I'm going to try a new weekly segment where I'm going to break down some of the biggest news surrounding the game that in, that's included in all leagues. I'm going to pick the stories that I think are the most important, that I think are the biggest pieces of news, the ones I'm surprised about. I'm going to give my opinion and take on them. I hope you all enjoy. Like I said, this is going to be a weekly thing. These might be stories that are kind of not as uh, talked about on social media. These are things I thought were very important to go over, so I can't wait. Also, I'd like to thank you all for you continuing to listen. I hope you like what you hear. I'm only going to get better from here. I'm still learning every day, every time I record a podcast, so thank you for your support. Let's get straight into it. Obviously, I'm sure most people heard, very big name retires from the game, Gareth Bale of Wales. Yes, he retires at the age of 33 from both club and international soccer. I'm kind of surprised. Uh, you see a lot of players playing later into their 30s. Now, for whatever reason that he decided to retire, he definitely had an illustrious career with Real Madrid, Tottenham. He got himself an MLS Cup with uh, LAFC. He's a serial assister. He's a serial goal scorer. One of the quickest men in the game. One of the most impressive things I always thought about him when I watched him was his speed. Now, one of my most memorable experiences watching Gareth Bale was when Liverpool was back in the Champions League final for the first time when we faced Real Madrid. You know, it was it was two to one. Liverpool still had high hopes of getting an equalizer. All of a sudden, we see Gareth Bale walk up on the sideline on the touchline about to come in, and I looked, and everybody's faces in the room kind of dropped. It's like, oh, no. He was definitely one of the most worrisome players to come off the bench. And sure enough, he scored one of the sickest goals that year with a bicycle kick. And it's kind of as to be expected with him. So it's kind of it's sad to see him leave the game. I was really hoping to see him play more. I definitely think he could have continued in Europe. But the most important thing is that we remember his career and all the amazing things that he's done for the game. So now the second piece of news that I want to go over is apparently the U.S. men's national team made an approach for Zinedine Zidane to be the next national team coach. Now, he turned it down. He reportedly turned it down and said no. I'm not really surprised about that. I think this is a sign that U.S. men's national team is definitely looking for someone other than Burhalter to take over the mantle. Um, if we can't find anybody, I'm sure they're going to stick with Burhalter, which I think is okay. As long as he puts in the time to kind of learn tactics, do all that thing, explore Europe, that's kind of what Eddie Howe did. And look where he's at at Newcastle right now. They're being exceptional in the Premier League. They're in the semifinal of the Carabao Cup. I kind of want to see Burhalter take that approach where he goes and watches and learns and bring all that to the national team if he were to come back. Now, I got to say, there are a few names I think the U.S. should really consider. I've thought about it. I've seen some other interesting takes, some people saying, giving out some interesting names, and one of those is Marco Bielsa. Now, Bielsa's last club was at Leeds United. They did pretty well their first couple of seasons back into the Premier League. He got sacked midway through the season, either last year or the year before, so his results obviously dipped, but he is definitely one of the most experienced managers in the game. In terms of tactics, I would totally trust him. He's been in the big moments. He can make those good decisions, strong decisions that I think the U.S. really needs in those big moments, those big games. And as we saw at the World Cup, we really didn't see that. I 
the U.S. just kind of looked like they got their goal. They would pull all their players back in defense, uh, make some defensive subs, and just pray and hope that they didn't get scored on, which I don't think is a good tactic. Um, but I think Marco B also would be a good option to kind of come in and take over as manager, bring some experience to the team, to the tactics, to the coaching, and see where he takes the national team. Now, another name, this is the most far-fetched name probably, or maybe not as far-fetched as I think, is Thomas Tuchel. Now, he's not in a club right now. He recently got sacked from Chelsea, which is arguably a bad decision from Chelsea. Now, it's come out that he's didn't have too many friends behind the scenes. He didn't really impress Berhalter, or not Berhalter, listen to me, Todd Bowley with his antics, his behavior, his attitude, stuff like that, which kind of led to his sacking. But nonetheless, you can't deny that Thomas Tuchel is not a great coach. He is a great coach. I think he could offer so much. He's he's had experience with young players at Chelsea. He's worked with Pulisic. Now, I know his relationship with Pulisic was kind of rocky, so which is why I was kind of saying it might be far-fetched. But nonetheless, I you can't take Pulisic out of that team. I think he would learn a way to build a team around Pulisic or maybe even like our midfield, Giannis Musa, Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney, Tim Weah. I think he'd do really good with those younger guys and really foster some new culture within the team, bring them together, bring in new tactics, bring us to new heights. Now, those are just a couple of the names. There's obviously more names out there, people that would do a fairly good job, very good job of taking over the men's national team. But those are just two very good options that are out of a job right now. They're probably looking for a new club. Are they looking to coach a national team? That remains to be seen. We've seen that with uh, Jesse Marsh. He kind of openly said that he doesn't want to coach the national team right now. He's he's in love with club football. He still wants to develop, get better at that. So someone is, who's a little bit older like me also, I could see him being more open to it. But with Thomas Tuchel, he's still young. He still wants to prove himself in club European football. So out of those two, I'd see it's more likely for Bielsa, but Thomas Tuchel, that would be sick. And I think it'd be really great to see him take over the helm. So this might be a piece of news, uh, a headline that not many people have seen or are aware of. But in the last few days, it's been reported that Qatar who also kind of the family behind, or not family, organization behind PSG, are holding talks with Tottenham about possible investment. Now, I don't know if that means an acquisition where they're going to buy Tottenham or they're just going to pump money into Tottenham. That remains to be seen. Like I said, it's just preliminary talks about um, getting involved with Tottenham Hotspur in the Premier League. Now, I think this event is very important to take note of very important to listen to because I bet you within the next year, couple years, acquisitions in the Premier League are going to be at a sky high and it's really going to change the league. So, as y'all noticed, or maybe have seen that Liverpool's owners FSG have also put them up for sale. They're not selling right now. It's not like they're looking to get rid of the club right now, but they are open to the option of selling the club. And now you have Manchester United and their owners who are now open to selling the club, trying to sell the club. And this comes at a very interesting time because now it kind of shows the trajectory that the Premier League is going in. And this comes with the story about 
Qatar trying to expand their investments into the Premier League, similar to Newcastle now, who's owned by the Saudi Arabia Investment Fund. Same with Man City, who's owned by another family organization from the Middle East. And you're going to see a lot more of these deep pockets coming into the Premier League to uh, buy these teams, become good, pump money into them. And it's not just going to come from the Middle East. U.S., as we've seen with Chelsea, Todd Bowley, he owns the L.A. Dodgers. He's come in. He's bought Chelsea. He's already pumped $400 million into transfers and not even a, in a little bit over half a period in the Premier League. $400 million. Man City has spent a total of $1 billion on their players, and Chelsea's already at $400 million in the first five, six, seven months that Todd Bowley's been in charge. Now... What I think is interesting and why I brought up the whole Liverpool and Manchester United, their owners are looking to sell, is because you got to ask, do they really have the money, the resources to start competing with these teams, these owners with deep pockets like Man City, now like Newcastle, like Chelsea? And I think the answer for them has been no. And it, it's, maybe it's more of a question of if it's worth it because we've seen – you can't deny there. I don't. I don't. I hate when fans say that Manchester United has not invested in their club. The problem was that they didn't invest smart because they did put in over a billion dollars into transfers, and it just so happened that they were all average players and they were terrible, and they did not fit the system with anything, and they were more like panic buys. It seemed they were just going to buy players with big names. That was Manchester United's problem, and despite them spending a billion dollars, look where they're still out in the league. Look where they're still out in the club now. Granted, they are doing better this season. They're in a great, uh, they're in great form. Uh, what's his name? Eric Ten Hag, first, uh, the quickest manager at Man United to get to 20 wins in 20 games. Or no, not in 20 games, just 20 wins in general. He's the fastest manager to accomplish that. And the trajectory is definitely upward. But now you have so many teams that are getting bought by deep pockets, and you. Now you really have to financially compete with them to get the best players, the young players, the young talents, and that's an expensive thing. And that's probably where Liverpool is also at. They've they're they're more conservative with who they buy. I think that's more of a Klopp thing. I honestly admire that Klopp doesn't want anybody in the team that he's not going to use. But just in general, like going for Jude Bellingham is not going to be easy. That's expensive. That's more than Liverpool are really open to selling. That's the most amount of money they would probably spend that I've ever seen out of them. And obviously besides Van Dyke being $80 million, I I don't think I've ever witnessed, I'm probably wrong, about them paying for a player over £100 million, pounds, which is what they're going to have to do with Jude Bellingham. And based on the market for players right now, the players' prices are only going up. You're having to pay... Um, so much money for these young players that really haven't proved themselves, but their clubs know that they can get the money for them. And you're going to start seeing that trend more. You're going to start seeing these big owners with deep pockets coming in, like buying these teams, and they're not going to care. They're going to be like, all right, well, I want them in my squad. I see them fitting the manager's vision, or maybe the manager sees them fitting their vision. He's like, I want them in my team, and their owners are going to go and get those players for them. So I think all this... Uh, Tottenham and Qatar business, however they're going to uh, proceed, whether it's going to be acquisition, putting a bunch of money into it, I think it's going to be really interesting. And 
I wonder how many other teams are going to start putting their teams up for sale or owners are going to put up their teams because right now we're already at Liverpool. We're already at um, Manchester United. And a really interesting one, I don't know if this is true, but I saw that Apple, yes, the company Apple was looking into buying Manchester United. Now, to buy Manchester United for them is just pocket change. They make hundreds of billions of dollars a year. Manchester United, they could probably get five or six billion. And it'd be interesting to see another, like a corporation running a team. And obviously that would be their main sponsor and all that. Maybe that's just a new way to get revenue or just like uh, sponsorship, advertising, marketing in a weird way. But if Apple were to somehow go for and buy Manchester United, I think that'd be really interesting. Now, you still have a lot of nation states out there like Dubai who have yet to get in the Premier League, and they're probably interested to at least get into some professional league around Europe. So it's going to be interesting to see. I've said that so many times, how the Premier League is going to change with these new owners coming in and just pumping in hundreds of millions of like pounds, dollars, whatever you want to call it, into these teams. And I could see... The Premier, I know there's talk about the Super League, and obviously Real Madrid and Barcelona are still open to a Super League. They're saying they're wanting it. But in this trajectory, it's almost like the Premier League is going to be the Super League because they're going to have all these teams that are going to bring all these players, and these are going to be the teams that all these big names, these young talents are going to want to go to and compete with. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see how this progresses in the future. So moving on to my next headline topic, uh, Joao Felix has joined Chelsea on loan for reported 11 million pounds plus wages being paid by Chelsea for the rest of the season. Now, when this news first broke, uh, it's ne- needless to say, a lot of Chelsea fans were indifferent. So, a lot of them saying, what was the point of this? Is this really what we need right now? Do we really need like another striker attacker? And Looking on the outside as a fan, I would say one of the main places that Chelsea probably need more investment is the midfield because you already have a lot of attacking talent. Now, are they performing right now? No, which could be a reason why they're bringing in Felix because he can offer another attacking option. Maybe he can give Chelsea more goals because right now Erling Holland is outscoring Chelsea. So maybe if that's the purpose he's brought in, to kind of bolster that attack that already isn't firing he would be a pretty good signing. He didn't have the best uh, couple se- or season at Atletico Madrid. Now, based on Atletico Madrid's style, you can argue that that style doesn't fit his play, which is why he wasn't performing. But in the World Cup, man, he was he was showing why he was worth a hundred million pounds to begin with. Um, in one of those games, I think it was against uh, Switzerland. Against his game against Switzerland. He put in a performance. I think that was the nation. I'm kind of getting hazy on that. But he did really well. He really showed what he's worth, what he's got. And I think that kind of drew a little bit of attention to him. Do I think he's going to make the permanent move? No, because now it's uh, uh, Diego Simeone has come out and said that he is leaving Atletico Madrid after this season. So it's almost like Joao Felix is going to get a fresh start at the beginning of next season. He's going to finish out his time of Simeone's career in Chelsea trying to bring them back into contention for being a top side and 
we'll see how he does. I'm excited to see him play, how he does in the Premier League, because I do think he's really good. I think Atletico Madrid really wasn't the side for him as of recently because they're such the defensive-minded style of play that Simeone likes to um, put in. Now, someone who I saw that would possibly replace Simeone would be Luis Enrique, who obviously came out of the World Cup and the first knockout round. He left the, he left the Spanish side. He's already looking for a new club to join, and I think he'd be really interesting. And I'd, I'd be excited to see him play under Luis Enrique and see how he does. But Chelsea fans, they're indifferent. I think he might – what he's going to provide is a little bit more – of a firing option. Now, I do think Chelsea still needs a center mid position filled. They need someone new, fresh in there. But we'll see where they go from there. They're already at 400 million pounds, and it doesn't look like they're slowing down at all. Like the manager, the owners still looking to buy players. They're always linked with players. So we'll see where they Chelsea goes for the rest of the season. But I think Drow Felix, while he might not be what Chelsea fans want, what they even need, but he might be an exciting option to kind of change up the attack. Now, I could be wrong. He could flop at Chelsea. Who knows? But considering his talent, he might be able to offer them something that they didn't know they even needed. So we'll see. Another big transfer is maybe not big, but Wout Weghorst, who is set to join Man U from Besiktas for three million pounds. Now, he's going to go on loan from Burnley. This is all coming from Fabrizio Romano. Every Every soccer fan's man who always keeps us up to date with the most reliable transfer news. Every time I see rumors, I always go to his page just to see. Um, but he's reported that Wild White Horst has, uh, or not that he's completed the move, that Man U and Besiktas have agreed a fee for him, and he's still a Burnley player, so he's going to go on loan from Burnley to Man U, or I think that's uh, how the deal is going to go. And his job is going to be to replace Ronaldo, bring that striker position, and we'll see how he does. I mean, he did really well against Argentina in the World Cup. He got two goals, two very important goals. Now, they still didn't go through. Argentina still still won, moved on to the next round, but he was their goal scorer. And in Besiktas, he's done, I think he's done fairly well this season getting goals for him. So if Manu will see how he does, he's 30 years old. And maybe he's just a short-term addition for them looking for a long-term option in the striker position. But we'll see how Wild Whitehorse does in his first game when he joins now. The reason Besiktas have not completed the deal yet is because they're still looking for a replacement for him, and they don't want to let him go if they don't have a replacement. Um, Now... I saw one player that Besiktas might go for is Abubakar, who plays for Cameroon. He was at Al Nasir. He would have been the attacking option with Ronaldo at Al Nasir. Now it's being reported that they're cutting his contract to fit, have room for more foreign players to come into the squad, which is pretty disappointing. He's done apparently very well for that Saudi Arabian club, but it's almost now exciting because now he's going to Besiktas. He's going to a European team to show what he's got. Um, and he's looking like he might be a replacement option for Besiktas. Now, in terms of managerial news for international teams, I've already con- kind of talked about the U.S. men's national team and how Zidane turned them down a couple options. But there have been two big managerial um, 
appointments, renewals, I think are important to note. So the first one being Didier Deschamps. He will remain as France national team manager for another World Cup cycle. This will be his third cycle or third World Cup cycle, which is insane. That is 12 years that he's been manager of a national team. I feel like this is pretty um, unheard of. Not This doesn't happen too often. Normally you'll have a manager who will go for two cycles of a World Cup. But he's going on his third. I mean, he's definitely earned it. He brought, he are, he's already won France a World Cup. He brought them back to a final. He's still got a lot of young um, talent coming through the ranks that he will have. He'll be able to pull from when they get experience throughout the next four years. So, I think he definitely deserved to be have a contract renewal with France to at least go through another cycle of the World Cup. We'll see how they do. Um. France are just such a dangerous team. Mbappe, already 23. He's going to be 27, 28 by the time of the next World Cup. He's going to be insane after his next four years of development. Griezmann, that will probably be Griezmann's last World Cup. And he'll want to show his stuff. And like I said, you have a lot of new attacking players that are coming through the ranks. Not just attacking, but defensive midfielder players that are going to really try to prove themselves. And really add a lot to that uh, new French team. Now, the other big appointment that I'm sure some of us have seen is that Roberto Martinez, the former manager of the Belgium national team, has now taken over for the Portugal national team. And we'll, we'll, this will be interesting. I keep saying interesting, but this one I really want to keep my eye on. Um, obviously... Roberto Martinez was at the helm of Belgium's golden generation. Now, did they win anything? No. They made it to a couple semifinals. They made it pretty far in tournaments, but they never had that finishing piece. They never delivered through that golden generation. Now, that golden generation is pretty much up. Eden Hazard's get he's old. He's not looking like his old self. Kevin De Bruyne's getting old. Courtois is getting older. A lot of these players, Vertonghen and Alderweireld, were still at the center back for him. And I, God, they were like 30 when they were at Tottenham, like a long time ago. Not even that long ago, but they've always been old. Like they just, like that golden generation's up. And in, in a way, you can look at it as like a not like a waste, uh, missed opportunity for Belgium to really stamp their name in international football. Now they've always been ranked in like the top one or two teams in Europe as they should because they've had so many great players. Lukaku, Hazard, Kevin De Bruyne, Courtois, a lot of other big names that have been through that team. But they just failed to deliver. Now he's going over to Portugal, who now you can argue that Portugal is now entering their golden generation. Ronaldo's out. I don't think he'll come back for another international camp he still might try he hasn't retired from the national team yet but we'll see if martinez is going to try to opt for those younger players to really start developing developing them having their name in the team and giving them experience uh so yeah i i don't think it's a bad appointment i think it's kind of worrisome that even with the team that he had in belgium they couldn't deliver but obviously, it's not like they lost the bad teams when they did. They obviously played France, I think. They lost to France. They played other top teams that were obviously just better than them. But we'll see how this goes. Um, we'll see if he 
stays loyal to Ronaldo, brings him in the team. I'm sure for the first few camps, he might bring in Ronaldo because of his experience, but I don't see him really relying on him. I see him, or I think he needs to rely on that younger talent, get them in the team, get them that experience, so that way they can really start firing in these in the Euros and the next World Cup. So those are the big headlines that I've chosen from this past week. I'm sure there's more that I missed. There's always news coming out every day that I'm going to be here to cover every week. If you listen, thank you so much. Um, like I said, this is going to be a weekly thing. Maybe every Wednesday or Thursday, I'm going to come out with a new podcast about the biggest headlines of that week. I'm going to be looking on social media. I'm going to be online. I'm going to be looking at for certain stories just so I can bring them to y'all. Maybe there's stories that y'all haven't got cotton wind of. Maybe they're like kind of like the Qatar and Tottenham deal possible deal we'll see about that but thank you so much for listening i will see y'all next time